it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Hey, it's actually Jason Chaffetz filling in for Jimmy today. Jimmy has been on an airplane. He's headed to Nashville, Tennessee, where Fox Nation is going to host uh, a very important award show. And, um, you know, it's the Patriot Awards. People who actually, you know, ordinary Americans who do extraordinary things. Shouldn't we honor them? I'm so glad that Fox does this. It's on Fox Nation. Jimmy's part of that whole production. Um, and uh, so he's on an airplane. We may catch him at the end of the show if we get lucky if that plane's on time. But uh, in the meantime, he asked me to fill in for him. I'm honored to do so. Thrilled to do it. And uh, boy, there's a lot to talk about. I'm not really worried about finding content for today's show because, oh my goodness, there's so much to talk about. Um, we're going to kick things off. We got a lot of good guests coming on today. Uh, the producers and whatnot of the show did a good job lining people up. We're going to start with the congressman from Texas's fourth uh, congressional district. Pat Fallon is here joining us. Uh, congressman, thanks for joining us. Jason, thanks for having me on. You are a great American, and I've always been a big fan. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I really do appreciate it. All right. We want to kind of go around the horn and talk about a few different things. Um, so... Congress actually passed a funding bill to get through the next little bit into January. Did you vote for that bill or against that bill? No, Jason, I didn't vote for it. I, it, it it's one of those issues, and I'm sure you had the, these uh, these instances when you came up in Congress, yeah, yeah. where you can see both sides. You know, I can see both sides in so much as we have a brand new speaker, and Mike Johnson is a bundle of intellect. He's a bundle of knowledge and energy and talent. And promise, quite frankly, and I and I think right. we needed that hard reset. And I want him to get the runway that he needs because you never got to serve under a very conservative speaker like he, you know, he is. So I'm excited about that prospect. So I can see why people would vote yes. For me personally, being from a border state, not although I think Joe Biden made made every state a border state, I needed to have border security provisions in it and having better leverage with the Senate, and that's why ultimately I couldn't support it but I, I was close to and i understand why people would oh uh, i total i can see both sides too i think you said that very well i i can hey we need a runway give get my guy's only been there two weeks um he's an exceptional human being and I, i'm thrilled that that was the ultimate selection for me personally but um yeah i can see where it's got to be so frustrating to watch what's happening in the border which is totally avoidable um how how do you explain to somebody who's maybe not from Texas or Arizona, California or, or New Mexico who does, you know, we hear all this complaining from New York and Chicago. Oh, look at all these people here. I know we're sanctuary states and we're sanctuary cities, but we can't handle this. We got to have all this money. It's a fraction of what's going on in Texas. Well, you said it very adroitly, Jason. And let's say, take, for instance, Eric Adams up in New York City. He would always sing the praises of the sanctuary cities policies until it landed on his front door. And there, at the time he made these comments, there were 110,000 illegal migrants in New York City. And lo, lo and behold, he said that was going to cost them $12 billion. $12 billion to handle 110,000 folks. So using Eric Adams' math, it'll cost the state of Texas a quarter of a trillion dollars. 
You know, and so, hello, yeah, this is an issue. And if you are, if you truly believe in sanctuary cities and sanctuary states, then you personally um, should take in migrants into your home, not expect someone else to do it. And then suddenly that support would evaporate, as you see in these liberal cities. So I'm of the opinion that in Texas and in uh, the other border states, you should put the migrants on buses and bus them right up to the White House, bus them right to Kamala Harris's uh, residence. Joe, uh, Joe Biden's mansion in Delaware and Chuck Schumer's house and uh, wherever Hakeem Jeffries lives and see how they like it because it is unsustainable. We had never had a month in our history, Jason, of over 200,000 illegal border crossings. We've had 16 under Joe Biden. And heck, we even cr- cracked the 300,000 mark a couple of months ago. Those are crazy big numbers. I mean, they're absolutely stunning how big and how pervasive this problem is. We talk a lot of, of, about it, but you know, there's no solving it because I don't think they want to solve it. I, I think this is what they asked for. I think this is wanted and this is what they're getting. And it, it's just sad. Um, all right. Uh, we're talking to Pat Fallon, the congressman out of Texas. I, I want to transition because there is a very important meeting between the president of the United States and President Xi uh, of China. And, the, you know, going into these types of meetings, uh, the question is usually, well, what are you trying to accomplish? What is the president going to bring up and not bring up? I want you to listen to John Kirby. He was on Air Force One, so the audio is a little little rough. But uh, the three things that Biden will focus on with his meeting with President Xi, listen to cut two. He'll be focusing really on three things. One, not only improve and increase American investment in the region, but the region's investment in the United States. Number two, uh, lifting up and looking towards a vision for better international worker standards, cleaner environments, safer environments, collective bargaining, chance for international workers to, to be able to compete on a level playing field. And number three, building a, a more inclusive economy across the region. Wow. Would that be a, your top three? <laughs> Jason, that is absolute word vomit drivel, man. Are you kidding me? So this would be my top three. Number one, hey, uh, President Xi, why are you allowing, because you know everything that's going on in China, why are all these precursors for fentanyl being ferried to Mexico and then into our country murdering 80,000 or killing 80,000 of our citizens every year? That's asymmetrical warfare, and I won't stand for it. How about trade? How about actual fair trade? We have a massive trade deficit with you when we want uh, access to your markets. And then stop rattling your saber with Taiwan. How about that? And why do you want to build up your nuclear triad so much? Um, and, you know, threatening the, the, the balance and the security of the country, of, of the region and um, the world at large. I don't know. That's the things I would talk about. Well, he, he has on this list. If you, you know, I get the I have the text of what he said just there. Number one on the list, not only improve and increase American investment in the region, but the region's investment. In, I, how are we going to send more money to China? That's number one on the President Biden's list of things. He's not going to talk about maybe, oh, the Wuhan labs. Uh, maybe we could talk, you're right, about about Taiwan. Maybe we could talk about fentanyl. Maybe we could talk about, I mean, would you put, I, that wouldn't even be on my top 20. How can America spend more money in China? It wouldn't be in my top 1,000 either. I mean, it, but it shows, you know, it, so not to oversimplify things, but President Trump, what was his motto? Put America first. And every country, I would expect every nation state to want to advocate for their interests first. 
And it's amazing that the American left doesn't do that. They think of all these other odd things to talk about because at the end of the day, they don't believe America is a force for good in the world. And that's why when Obama ran in 08, he was talking about we need to fundamentally change America. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What did you say? The most, the most successful country history's ever known, and you want to fundamentally change it? Why? Right. Because that's really their core beliefs. Well, and what's interesting here, too, is I, I want to play cut one, which is Joe Biden himself. Um, it, it has been an embarrassment, I think, to the United States of America that the president should be able to get anybody he wants on the phone at any given time. Everybody should take that call. But the snubs from uh, the leaders in China to the leaders in the United States of America, we just kind of put our tail between our legs and, and it's an embarrassment that they have to try to figure out how to communicate. Listen to what President Biden just said about this topic. Cut one. How would you define success with your meeting with President Xi? To get back on a normal course of corresponding, being able to pick up the phone and talk to one another if there's a crisis, being able to make sure our military still have contact with one another. We can't take, as I told you, we're not trying to decouple from China. But we're, what we're trying to do is change the relationship for the better. Congressman, you're on armed services. Um, how do you how do you read this comment? That would be the biggest success with President Xi is if oh we could actually start talking to each other. I mean, that was hard to listen to. Not only just the syntax and the, but it didn't make a much sense, Jason. If, he said that he took a hard line when he talked at the State of the Union. He mentioned that he's, he talks tough to Xi. He never even mentioned fentanyl. So how can you talk tough when you're not talking about the real issues and about the trade imbalance and about uh, Xi is consolidating power unlike any Chinese leader other, other really than Mao? And then their constant saber rattling in the region. What about the man-made islands off the coast of the Philippines? Uh, you know, the nine dash lines claiming in international waters well beyond, way beyond. You know, what it would normally be recognized. Those are the kinds of things that we need to be talking about with Xi. Uh, and yeah, I'd love to have normalized relations, but it's about behavior. It has to be behavior-based first. You know, we talk a lot about this idea that uh, our our allies, they they don't respect us and our enemies don't fear us. And it is embarrassing that the President of the United States has to say their number one goal is to just be able to communicate if you're um, some third world country, I would think that would be your goal with the United States or somebody else. But we're not acting like the world superpower. They, they, the attitude and the approach is just so different than President Trump and so different from actually being a leader. Well, you know what? I want my presidents of the United States to have a bit of bravado. That's not a bad thing because they should. They are they are the leader of the free world and the lar largest and strongest country. Again, history has ever known. I asked President Trump directly, Jason, you'll love this. Why? I said, Mr. President, I noticed something that in 2014, Vladimir Putin invaded Crimea. And then in uh, under even George W. Bush, he took two provinces from Georgia. And then, of course, full scale invasion under Biden. But nothing under you for four years. Why do you think that is? And, you know, he was he, he said very directly, I told 
Putin that I'd come right for him if I had to do that. I, would, I don't want to do it, Vlad. Don't make me do it. And then he jokes that I think you believe me like 5%, Pat, 5%. But he said if he had invaded Ukraine under my watch, I would have unleashed the American energy sector to such a degree that would have dropped the – because oil and you know natural gas are global commodities. It would have dropped it to such a degree where Vladimir Putin couldn't even fund his war. Now, that's a very good answer to a good question, and I think Putin knew that. And that's why he never acted up while President Trump was in office. Oh, absolutely. I think they're, they feared uh, President Trump. And the other one that we should have learned a lot from was uh, President Reagan. They, he, was the, he was the wild cowboy. They weren't quite sure how to deal with him. And yet, you look back in my lifetime, the safest parts of our, of our lives were under President Trump and President Reagan. And there's, no, that is, there's a reason for that. Congressman Pat Fallon from the great state of Texas in the 4th Congressional District. Uh, Congressman, thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. Appreciate it. Jason, thank you. Keep doing the great work and anytime. Very good. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to the most addictive show on the radio. This is crack, rock cocaine. It isn't glamorous or cool or kid stuff. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. The Will Kane Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Kane as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Hey, it's Jason Chaffetz. I'm filling in for Jimmy today, and uh, boy, we have a lot of craziness that's going on uh, in the world, um, and there's so much to talk about. Well, we got another uh, member of Congress who's joining us. He's from Pennsylvania's 9th Congressional District. Anybody can guess what that is? Dan Muser. Dan's with us. Uh, Congressman, thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. Jason, great to be with you. Appreciate it. How are you? Good. Fired up because there's a lot of, you know, there's always somebody doing something stupid somewhere. I can tell you that. Um, now, I I am really excited about this bill that you introduced because, you know, if you really look at everything that is going on in the Middle East that is nefarious, bad, uh, subversive, it all funnels back to Iran. No conversation about Hamas, Hezbollah. What's going on in Syria? You can't get through any serious consideration or comment or discussion or analysis of what's going on in that region where there are open hostilities unless you get to Iran. It always includes that conversation. So you recently introduced a piece of legislation. Tell us a little bit about what it is. Well, appreciate it. And look, you, you've been here in Washington. I'm, I'm sitting right outside the Financial Service Committee uh, hearing room right now. We've got a hearing taking place uh, with um, Michael Barr and Groomberger and, and such. And you know how this can be down here. I mean, it gets a little, it gets a little interesting. It gets uh, can get a little chaotic. And mm-hmm. yesterday was definitely one of those days. But there's some there's some really serious things taking place. And and certainly the situation in uh, in uh, Israel. Uh, and in and in Gaza right now, we um, and that's what this bill generated from. I mean, yesterday morning I started. Well, my, I started with my car getting broken into. A crime in in uh, Washington's out of control. Wait a sec. Tell us about that. Wait, 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 wait. Let, tell, <laughs> give me a little bit more color on your car was broken into. Where was it? 
Yeah, just sitting in the same spot it is it is every morning in the Navy Yard, uh, no, a little over about a half a mile from the Capitol. And uh, turned out that the police actually caught them as they they didn't catch them. They ran off, but as they were in the act, so they just broke two of my windows and and didn't really steal much. They didn't have much time, but I did I did last night. I, I discovered that they did steal my cigars. So they did get away with that, maybe about five or six dollars. But um, yeah, they smashed my windows up pretty well, so it cost me about six hundred bucks. But you know, the crime in the city is awful. I mean, you wouldn't believe how many of my staffers staffers were actually held up over the last three or four years at gunpoint. Wow! Literally at gunpoint. I think it was four of my of, of my staff. That's almost half. So we're going to be working on some some crime bills and that and we've done so wow. in deep in DC. But yeah, yeah. So staffers who live around here and walk and spend a lot of time, it's uh, it's it's just, it's just dangerous. You know, uh, I got a daughter over at GW. I go to Washington. That that concerns me. But so there, there's a lot going on. A lot has deteriorated, frankly, um, dur- during the Biden years. Uh, it's just I think that's an objective thing to say. Uh, and and this. Um, you know, situation. But after after I got my car squared away, we then watched a classified uh, images and, and videos on on the atrocities, the massacres, the slaughter uh, of of the Hamas terrorists on the Israeli uh, homes and, and and villages near near Gaza. And look, if if at any time anyone has any doubts who instigated this, who caused this, who needs to be annihilated because they are not human. They're inhuman. Uh, they are monsters. Uh, and this has not to do with the Palestinians. It has to do with with uh, Hamas, the terrorist group sponsored by Iran. And, and I, will, I will tell you this, no more than a month ago in meetings with some of the Biden administration, they were making excuses, literally making excuses for Iran and stating how they were not involved. They were not complicit. Fortunately, uh, the Biden administration has changed their tune based upon facts and also just based upon it was completely untruthful, uh, the comments that they were that they were stating. Um, so let's hope that their actions also follow in line with the fact that they flipped. They've largely flipped on whether or not Iran had responsibility here with what 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 on the attack by Hamas on, on Israel and on the overall uh, terrorist situation that exists in Gaza. I mean, Iran is a state sponsor of, of, of terrorism, the number one. I don't have to tell you that. They, they are, from, from Hamas to Hezbollah to other uh, proxy terrorist groups. And so my bill will freeze, even though the Biden administration said they're, they're pausing the $6 billion that's sitting in, in Qatar uh, banks uh, on its way to Iran, uh, my bill will freeze that permanently. Well, Dan, uh, Dan Muser, the congressman from uh, Pennsylvania, congratulations on the introdu- introduction of the bill. Sorry your car got broken in. Nobody should have to deal with that. And half of your staff being held up at gunpoint? Wow. Stay with us. We have more in Fox Across America. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my name is Chad. (laughs) 
His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you're subscribed to the podcast. Like, subscribe, and share. Hey, this is Jason Javits. I don't know where Jimmy comes up with his soundtracks, but hey, you know, I just roll for it, roll with it when you're the guest host. So Jimmy's been on a plane. He's headed to Nashville. They got the Fox Nation uh, Patriot Awards. Really worthy a thing. I uh, hope you're able to see it. It's on Fox Nation tomorrow night. Jimmy's a big part of that. And uh, um, I'm honored that he'd let me fill in and even deal with his uh, his soundtracks that he throws at, it, at us. So, um like we said, a lot's happening on in the world, and uh, one of my favorite people on the planet, the husband of Lee, uh, Lee Zeldin is with us. His wife is just the sweetheart. I, I just absolutely love her, but we, we like her husband too, Lee Zeldin, and he's joining us now on Fox Across America. Hey, Jason. Good to be with you. You know, I happen to be uh, traveling right now, and Diana's in the back seat. I'll have to uh, let her know you gave her a shout out on air. Well, um, if I was doing this right, I'd probably just interview her and have you sit in the back, but um, we'll do that, set that up next time, uh, but certainly tell her and your two amazing daughters, uh, hello. But nevertheless, we got a show that's going on here, Lee. So you were, you used to be a member of Congress, you've served in the military, you've, you've done it all. Like you're, you ran for governor, I, I, I just really appreciate your perspective. Now, you're a New Yorker, you know New York. I'm watching this video and I'm seeing these pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas people pounding on the doors at Grand Central Station and the cops hiding, uh, you know, trying to protect themselves. What is going on in New York? Arrest them. Arrest all of them. This isn't protected First Amendment speech. These people are physically damaging property. They are physically bullying and, and touching others. And we saw it at Cooper Union where the Jewish students were forced to stay inside of that building. Uh, it happened a couple states over in, uh, in Harvard where we saw the video of the Jewish student getting pushed around, including an editor of the Harvard Law Review. Uh, th- this is something that uh, beyond uh, holding these people accountable, arresting them for the crimes that are committed, if any of them are not you know, U.S. citizens or, or permanent residents, you know, if they're here on some visa or they're just here outright illegally, uh, we should be working with federal authorities to get these people removed from the country. We don't want them here. There's no reason for us to allow any you know, Hamas sympathizer who is here on a visa or here illegally to be allowed to stay. So we just have to get smarter and tougher uh, and, and stop with the, the moral equiv- equivocation. Um, we're seeing it right now on the college campuses with these administrators and faculty. You know, where I heard a, a Jewish student went to faculty because of, of feeling threatened based off of something serious that was going on on campus. And the response, instead of actually getting, getting the help that that student was looking for, the, the faculty member told the student that they should go see a therapist. Like this wow. is not the right answer right now. We need we need courage, uh, and this stuff really shouldn't, you know, take any like looking through a, a book or asking others for guidance or help. I mean, you, everyone should know if you're a leader in this moment to be able to trust your gut and do the right thing and say the right thing, uh, and and too much equivocation out there. 
Yeah, this whole uh, concept of appeasement and, you know, all these people that are usually out there preaching uh, tolerance, you know, uh, but if you happen to be Jewish, you know, you should be eradicated from the planet, you should be uh, just wiped off, you know, from uh, the sea to the river. Like, it's just unbelievable what they're what they're going through. Um, and shouldn't have to do that in this day and age. I just can't believe they do that. Even up at Harvard, where the president finally came out and said, you know, anti, you know, anti-Semitic type of language is not acceptable. Then you have a hundred plus Harvard professors sign a letter saying, oh, you really need to reconsider that position. Yeah, are you kidding me? It's it's wild. And, you know, this has been going on for a while. The big issue in New York, uh, the biggest issue was at the City University of New York, where, you know, if you were graduating from the School of Law, you're going through your commencement address for two years in a row. We saw it again this past May. You had to sit through uh, an anti-Semitic, hate-filled speech. And you just want to be able to enjoy a moment. You, you, there was a, an issue where uh, City University of New York professors were leaving the job because the faculty student administration started to advance this, you know, the, these anti-Israel resolutions, and they'd be engaged in this debate where Jewish professors who had loved their job, they'd been there a long time, they decide, you know what, I've, th- this place is not for me anymore. City University of New York had a, uh, a a Muslim professor who had given a sermon in New Jersey one weekend where he was preaching about the Muslims wiping the Jews uh, off of the earth. Uh, how, do you, how do these people still have a job? You know, how does the, 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 the CUNY chancellor stay in that position and these trustees? Uh, how is there not accountability? And these are taxpayer-funded universities. The tax dollars should be better leveraged to make sure that we're not sending tax dollars to places that, that are a – a bastion for this anti-Semitic hate. And I'll, I'll add one more, just using one university as an example. We're only talking about CUNY. They, they had a, a city council hearing that was set up around the schedule of the CUNY chancellor, and then the chancellor no-shows, and it was a, a hearing to talk about anti-Semitism on campus. So if we're seeing all this from one campus, you know, just imagine how much is going on in so many other places. And, you know, you mentioned Harvard. I referenced Cooper Union. We're seeing Columbia and NYU and Cornell. And, gosh, you know, we're just talking about the, the Northeast examples. You go coast to coast, and this is a real problem. And our Jewish students need leaders in government to stand up and help. Yeah, no, it's it's scary. It's scary stuff out there. I want to play you a clip. This is from Governor Hochul. It's um She's making this case that we need to collect more data through surveillance in order to keep you keep you safe. Let's go to cut 27. I want to get your reaction to this. We're very focused on the data we're collecting from surveillance efforts. What's being said on social media platforms? And we have launched an effort to be able to counter some of the negativity and reach out to people when we see hate speech being spoken about on on online platforms. Our media analysis, our social media analysis unit has ramped up its monitoring of sites to catch incitement to violence, direct threats to others. And all this is in response to our desire, our strong commitment to ensure that not only do New Yorkers be safe, but they also feel safe. 
What's your reaction to that, Lee Zeldin? Hogel's thought police. You know, she's not saying that uh, this is how she's defining speech that needs to be surveilled, the data that needs to get collected, you know, sending government to contact people who are using speech that she doesn't approve upon. How do you not define objectively what it is, the speech that you're going after? I and mean, this was a slippery slope, even if you do that. How do you not define what the oversight is to make sure that this power isn't being abused? Kathy Hochul is the same person who, during last year's campaign, said that I I should leave the state. And she said that others should leave the state because we're conservatives. We have positions that challenge hers. So we're not even welcome to live in New York. So you are you using what's happening right now with anti-Semitism to be able to give yourself a new, broaden, broader power to be able to go after political opponents? Are you going to be going after pro-life pregnancy centers? Are, are you going to be going after parents who want to go to school board meetings? Like, what's the limit of how you, in your head, are vaguely defining the speech that you don't approve upon? And this is a really dangerous, slippery slope. And uh, I don't think that anybody should be giving their benefit of the doubt. Oh, don't worry. She's not going to abuse this power. Give me a break. No, this is this is really scary stuff. I mean, part of this quote, because I can see the text of it. She says, reach out to people when we see hate speech being spoken about on a landline. Now, you used to have to go get a search warrant in order to be able to listen to people on a landline. What is the state of New York doing to surveil people? Landline, mobile phones, text messages? That's far different than doing something on social media. I would argue that if you put it out on social media, everybody can look at that. You, you, you did it so that it could be out there in the, in the, you know, in the atmosphere, in the, in the world. But if you're having a yeah. private text message or, or having a conversation on a landline, you need a search warrant. And what she's talking about, it really does scare me. And, and this is one of the problems when you have a place like New York to have one party rule covering everything, including the fourth branch of government and the media, where they're all uh, basically just allowing this to go. You're not going to see any legislative hearings. I haven't heard you know, the, the legislative leaders, the Speaker of the Assembly or the Senate Majority Leader you know, weighing in with their, with their great concern. I want to see you know, the editorials in these uh, newspapers that uh, you know, is holding them accountable and and, and those in government to fear like they're actually going to lose power if they try to get away with something like this. But if they get a free pass, if you could propose something like this and no one's going to even be asking the questions that you and I are raising right now, if no one's going to raise it in power in New York, well, you're only going to see more of the abuse. So, I, I mean, I'm concerned for New Yorkers. I don't care you know, whether you voted for me or not, whether you're Republican, Democrat, independent, liberal, moderate, conservative. I'm speaking up. You're speaking up on behalf of everyone to make sure that that everybody's right to privacy, uh, their protection against an abuse in in power, to make sure that the accountability is there, the limits and the checks are in place. Uh, We're speaking up on behalf of everyone right now. And uh, gosh, I, I don't care what your stripe is. I don't care who you voted for in last year's governor's race. All New Yorkers should be concerned about moves like this.
Yeah, this, this type of government seizing of power all in the name of, oh, it's for your own safety is really what we should be, what we should be most scared about. Uh, even Nikki Haley, she went out there and said, hey, listen, uh, we should have to verify everybody. You have the right to be anonymous in this country. And going back to what we were talking about before, you know, in the Constitution, there is nothing more American than petitioning your government and exercising your free speech, but to do so peacefully. That's what it says in the Constitution, not go down whatever it was, 7th Avenue and jump up on the, uh, you know, and pull down flags and beat the doors to try to get after the police down at Grand Central. You can protest your government, but not violently. And and that's 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 what's scary. And then to, for government leaders like Hochul, it's just I care about who how you voted in the last election because we, you, you, New York's an important state, and um, you know for them to just be able to say, hey, we're going to monitor you on your landline. At, where is the ACLU, by the way? The American Civil Liberties Union, they have morphed into a political organization. They they should be jumping all over this, but I haven't heard yeah. a peep. It, listen, if I was if I was sitting in the governor's seat today and I put something like that out yesterday, the assembly probably would start impeachment <laughs> hearings by right. Monday. Right. Like, I mean, you're talking about the ACLU. I mean, that, that press release would be out. The lawsuit probably would be drafted some point this morning, be filed <laughs> this afternoon before close of business. And as you talk about First Amendment, freedom of speech, and being out there protesting peacefully, if any of these whole Hamas sympathizers out there, the ones kicking down doors and intimidating Jews and bullying and pushing them around, if any of them don't understand what the First Amendment's are right about and how to protest peacefully, look at what happened yesterday in Washington, D.C. Almost 300,000 people uh, all out there on the National Mall in front of the Capitol, and they were there peacefully. They weren't desecrating yeah, statues right. and that's streets right. and vandalizing. Uh, that's how you do it. Yep, yep. Lee Zeldin, uh, the second best interview out of the Zeldin household we were able to get. But next <laughs> time we're getting the coveted uh, Mrs. Lee Zeldin interview coming down the road uh, at some point. But for now, we're glad that Lee, we could at least get Lee Zeldin, one of our favorite people on the planet. Thanks for joining us on Fox hey, Across thanks, America. Thanks, Jason. Great to be with you. See ya. <laughs> thanks, Lee. Okay, we'll be right back. Stay with us. Tackling issues of the day in an easy way. He's all man. He's a big, strong-looking guy. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There we go. There's a better song to lead the intro in. I want you to hear Jamie Raskin. This is the congressman from Maryland. He was talking to Jen Psaki on MSNBC. Uh, MN, MSNBC, yeah. And he said, uh, he, he was foreshadowing what a second Trump term would look like. The mind of Jamie Raskin, cut 11. The role of the government, in his view, is to advance his political fortunes and destroy his political enemies. So what would a second term look like? It would look a lot like Vladimir Putin in Russia. It would look a lot like Viktor Orban in Hungary. Illiberal democracy, meaning democracy without rights or liberties or respect for the 
uh, due process system, the rule of law. And in fact, there's not much democracy left to it because their position is that uh, they don't accept the integrity of any election where they lose. And that is a hallmark of an authoritarian party. They don't accept elections that don't go their ways. Wow. You know, we heard all these scare tactics uh, previously. Uh, you know, Donald Trump was going to start all these wars. Did any wars start? I, I missed it if there was one that started. I, I don't think that happened under Donald Trump's uh, administration. I heard that they're going to take away, you know, all these civil liberties. I saw freedom prevailing. I heard that the economy was going to crash and they were going to tank and Boy, the economy was good. Inflation wasn't a problem. The economy was actually soaring along the way. And then I heard that you were going to take away all these rights and change the way we vote. You know, I was, uh, as I recall, it was uh, Nancy Pelosi um, who was pushing House uh, HR1 that fundamentally changed the way we vote, who gets to vote, how they get to vote, the the idea that <clears throat> you couldn't actually uh, challenge uh, election results, that um, they were going to change everything about how you vote. That was happening with the Democrats, not, not Donald Trump. The idea that you can't challenge or contest an election are you kidding me? Um, you're allowed to do that. People do it on a regular basis. Now, he may not like the degree in which he's doing it, but these scare tactics from the Democrats are already starting. I think you can see how scared they are that they think that Donald Trump will actually come in clean house and, and, uh, and you know get rid of these people who want to take out more power. That's the fundamental question. It's about freedom. It's about liberty. Whoever the Republican nominee is, whoever the Democratic nominee is, there is a fundamental difference. It is a choice election between freedom and liberty and opportunities. But don't buy into these whole scare tactics from uh, the likes of Jamie Raskin that, oh my goodness, if it's Donald Trump, the world will collapse. How many times do we hear Russia, Russia, Russia? All of that turned out to be complete fabrication, bogus, totally, fundamentally false from top to bottom and yet he thinks we should be scared of donald trump come on man fox across america thanks for joining us live from everywhere usa it's fox across america with jimmy Fallon. well almost jimmy Fallon. this is uh jason chaffetz i'm filling in for jimmy um Thrilled to do so. He's off in Tennessee. They got the big Patriot Awards happening tomorrow night. You can see it on Fox Nation. Uh, but Jimmy's uh, been part of that in the past, and uh, he's going to be part of it uh, tomorrow night. It's Thursday night that that's going to happen. Uh, so I'm thrilled to be uh, guest hosting and filling in for him. I want to give a little shout out to one of my favorite stations, KOAL, in the, their Castle Country Radio here in Utah. And, uh, you know, my hometown's Utah, so I got to give a shout out to the hometown radio station, KOAL. Um, thanks, uh, thanks for broadcasting us on, the, on your station. Beautiful part of the world. If you haven't been to Castle Country, uh, you, you haven't seen America. So if you want to be 
across America, you got to go see this place. It's it's beautiful and it's wonderful. Um, thanks so much for joining us. We got a lot of great guests. There's always crazy stuff happening in the world, but right now there seems to be an exceptional amount of it. And so we're thrilled to have Chris Bedford. He's the executive editor of Common Sense Society magazine. Um, and Chris, thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. Great to be here, Jason. Really do appreciate it. All right, so we're talking about a lot of different topics, but I want to talk a little bit about the election stuff because there's this whole idea and this notion that, um, that you know, there might be a third party, that uh, Joe Manchin uh, might want to jump into this. Let's listen to Cut 7. This is uh, Joe Manchin answering questions on CBS on the concern that he might be actually helping Trump if he ran, and I'd love to get your reaction to it. Cut 7. If you ran on a third-party ticket, wouldn't you be helping to elect Donald Trump? I don't buy that scenario. I've heard that, and, and I wouldn't buy that scenario because if you look back in history how things have played out, I don't think they thought Ross Perot would elect Bill Clinton. Now that we see this, some polls with, the, uh, with Bobby Kennedy Jr. would be helping, uh, would be helping uh, Joe Biden because it takes votes from Donald Trump. What do you, what do you think of that whole mess? You know, I, I'm, I'm watching it, and I'm interested. I would love to see Joe Manchin jump in as a third-party candidate, as someone who, like Ross Perot, looked back and forth and said, you know, I'm not really digging what either one of these parties has to say. I think they're missing some of the point. But Manchin is an extremely competitive person, and not just someone who enjoys com- competing, but someone who likes to win. That's why he left the Senate race. That's why he's not going to take it up, because he knows that he would probably lose to the very popular governor who's, who's trying to take his seat. And he doesn't want that. So if he was going to run, it would actually be either A, he really does think he could win, which would be very difficult in the two-party system, or or two, he really is just that angry at the Democratic Party. And the Democratic (laughs) Party that he started with has changed so dramatically. People like West Virginians really encapsulate the kind of Democrat who's been left behind by the new party that really goes for the elite kind of college-educated, woke class, and are completely left behind by that. If he's actually angry enough to run, then I think he would do it in the full knowledge that it would just be a strike at the center of this new Democratic Party and his hope maybe to realign it. Yeah, this new progressive Democratic Party that we see, uh, it's I think it's unrecognizable to liberals even. I mean, you used to have blue dog Democrats, right? People actually cared about the budget and the economy. They got run out of town. And now your so-called traditional liberals, well, they liked the police. They actually liked law enforcement. They were okay with our military. They would never think twice about about uh, disrespecting them. But there doesn't seem to be room for those people in today's Democratic Party. No, it's, it's very much become a vehicle for the elites and for the kind of Harvard professor class, the, the folks who want to put all their faith in the bureaucracy and kind of – and are separated in a way from the folks that they're supposed to be governing. I mean, if you, if you look at the way journalism has gone, it's kind of similar to the Democratic Party, where I look left and right, and what used to be a trade decades ago is now a place for Ivy League students to come. People who, people who used to represent a community in their newspapers now represent the elite universities they went to. And they, 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 they say that they're there to help, but they don't really have a connection. They don't really have an understanding. They don't really know those communities anymore. And that's what a lot of the National Democratic Party has become, and it's left behind a lot of people like Joe Manchin. And Donald Trump picked up a lot of those voters who were left behind and, and left homeless 
it remains to be seen if the Republican Party can keep that keep that going. I, and I still think there's a real play to be made by people like Manchin to say, listen, you may not be a Trump voter. You're definitely not a Democrat voter anymore. Maybe there's a home with me. Well, and this is accentuated, obviously, by uh, the questions about Joe Biden and his cognitive capabilities and his ability to be, you know, fit and nimble for the most demanding job on the planet. Um, David Axelrod, I want to play clip uh, 10 here, cut 10. Uh, You know, he's citing the obvious, but I want to get your reaction to this. I have no concerns about polls a year out. I mean, you have to look at them and uh, analyze them and adjust. And But I was in a situation as a strategist for Barack Obama uh, in 2011 where we were facing some difficult polls. The one uh, number in the polling that was concerning uh, and in the CNN poll uh, that followed after the New York Times poll had to do with age. And that's one thing you can't uh, reverse yeah. no matter how effective Joe Biden is behind the scenes, uh, in front of the camera, what he's projecting is uh, causing people concerns, yeah. and, and that, that's worrisome. Now, before you react to that, there was another interview that happened right after that on CNN on Monday with David Axelrod. He's asked a question by Casey Hunt, then I'll get your response. Cut nine. The president called you a word that because we are live in London, I am not allowed to say on television, but it starts with a P and ends with K. Uh, Your response. Well, he wouldn't be the first, I guess, in my many years in politics. Listen, I understand he was irritated because uh, I raised concerns that many, many Democrats had. And again, you know, my feeling is either get out or get going. Chris, you there? Yep, I'm here. Sorry, I cut out for a second. You know, he may want to make fun of Axrod all he wants, but he knows that that lights a candle under him a little bit because David Axrod is very close to a major Democratic power broker, Barack Obama, who's still meeting with a lot of the White House folks up in his mansion in Colorado, who's still very active behind the scenes in the White House. And then whenever I see David Axrod come out and say something, especially about Barack Obama's former vice president and the current president, I know that there's got to be a wink, wink, nudge, nudge from his old boss to be to be going out and saying that. And while it's not public facing, when Joe Biden sitting in the White House hears Axelrod uh, pining on what, what, is, what is really obvious, I think he knows that means he's, he's losing trust. And there was an interesting article that came out in Political Magazine that was talking to a lot of the Democrats inside of his circle. And what used to be just the outliers would say, hey, what's going on with the president's age? What's going on with his mental faculties? Can he even campaign? Well, that's being talked about openly now inside the White House. They recognize that he can't campaign. They recognize he can't be on the trail taking questions. They recognize he probably wouldn't do well in a debate. They're going to try and do another, just like they did a basement campaign last round. This time they're going to try and do a Rose Garden campaign where he just, the president talks from his position of authority and doesn't get down into the, into the nitty-gritty of the politics but that's a tough way to take back to, to hold places like Michigan and other states that he'll need to win. Yeah, I, you know, I, I look at, um, I have said for a long time, I don't think that Joe Biden will be the nominee by the end of this calendar year. And I stand by that. I still don't, th- I think the, uh, whether it be Thanksgiving or Christmas time, it's a good time to actually sit back and say, hey, you know what? I've talked to the family. I've, I've served my country. I've been in office since 1972. So, hey, you know what? I'm just not going to be able to fulfill this anymore. And so 
Uh, I'm going to continue to be in offense, but I'm not actually going to, um, you know, I'm not actually going to be a be a candidate. I look at tonight's schedule. You know, he's in San Francisco. He's going to meet with President G. Uh, but these events are happening late in the night, and I don't know that he can get through it physically because that requires him to stay up till you know something like two o'clock in the morning East Coast time, and I I can't imagine that he can do that. Yeah, that's that's difficult to be meant to have mental acuity at any age, and especially when you're showing the kind of decline he is. But Democrats would love that; they would love for him to resign around Christmas. I think a lot of his allies would like that. I think it would make more sense for most people. But they kind of made a devil's bargain when they chose Joe Biden in the first place. Remember, you look back at the Democratic primary, and he was basically the only person on the stage not saying disband the police and open the borders openly. So right. they said, well, this guy is the only person who could possibly win in this country. So they threw all the support behind him in South Carolina after his campaign had been plummeting towards the earth. They pulled it out and said, no, he's our guy. He's the nominee. And they chose someone who's not on top of his game, not as good as he used to be, but it's also someone who's viciously ambitious, who has wanted to be president his entire life, who's made a number of goes at it. So while the party might say, hey, Joe, step aside, it's for the good of the party, I think he's the kind of angry guy and ambitious guy who says, no, I'm going to be a two-term president. I don't care what the party thinks. I don't know. I I, I tend to think that he's not going to do it. And if he does, I think that there's going to be such an opening uh, for Republicans to reclaim that mantle. Um but we'll see That's what happens. That's a worry for Democrats for sure. Yeah, I mean, that, who, who comes in then? Gavin Newsom, maybe? He definitely wants it. Um, yeah, I think Gavin Newsom wakes up every morning, looks in the mirror and says, good, <laughs> good morning, Mr. President. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Gretchen Wimmer. I, I think it exposes the idea that the Democrats have a very shallow bench. I mean, I think you had some good quality candidates on the Republican side. I can make the case for a number of them. Donald Trump is obviously lapping people at this point. Um, but, uh, you know, on the Democratic side, who is the natural? Kamala Harris? I think that is probably the impediment as much as anything from the Democrats really saying, all right, let's pass the baton because they got Kamala Harris and, and she's got to be. Look, she was pulling an eighth in California, her home state, when she dropped out. And then somehow she got resurrected by being the vice presidential nominee. It was wild. And when Newsom was facing a recall, they didn't even send the California senator and the current vice president to go campaign for him because they knew she wouldn't be able to do him any good in California. Yeah, the bench is thin. I mean, there's a lot of hope in Newsom, and they're always talking about, well, well, what if Michelle Obama just came and saved everything for right. us? But right. I don't see that happening either. She seems to be pretty happy living the life and, and being the power broker that she and her husband are exactly. behind the scenes. Now, I think – they're in a little bit of trouble here, and they made that bet. They chose Kamala to try and check a box. They chose Biden to try and keep the party from going too radical. But now four years on, that those choices are looking less wise. Yeah. Chris Bedford, executive editor of Common Sense Society magazine. Really appreciate you joining us on Fox Across America. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll be right back. It's the number one children's show in the country. He's a lot better at radio than he is being a dad. Oh, snap. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 
Hey, it's Jason Chaffetz filling in for Jimmy today. Uh, we got a lot going on in the world, and I'm thrilled to have joining us on the line uh, Congressman from Florida. You all know him, Greg Stubbe. He represents Florida's 17th Congressional District, and he's on Judiciary, he's on Foreign Affairs, Ways and Means. I don't know what you did to get so many committee assignments, but well done, and thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. Yeah, hey, Jason, thanks for having me. It's That's just a... ways and means and weaponization. I was on Judiciary and Foreign Affairs. Okay, well, all right, you check those boxes along those way. Hey, listen, I want to get after your perspective here on Americans that are in harm's way in the Middle East that are getting shot at and bombed and everything else. I mean, we've had, what is it, 56 attacks, and uh, I know you've been out there active on X and others talking about this, but... I mean, it's crazy how much we're being attacked and how little we're doing on a response. Yeah, 56 attacks, 59 U.S. personnel have been injured, including 27 of those service members that got TBIs, traumatic brain injury from these attacks. Uh, And Joe Biden just doesn't care. He's not responding. He's going to free up an additional $10 billion for Iran, and then that's going to be used uh, for Shia militia groups in Iraq to continue to attack our people. You look at before Hamas attacked Israel, uh, Biden gave the Palestinian Authority like $320 million. Uh, it, it's it's absolutely mind blowing. It's like the pe- it's like Joe Biden and the people in this administration hate America so much that they're going to give money to our enemies, and then we're going to have you know a, an open border so that terrorists can walk right in the southern border. And being being a guy that served and I served in Iraq and having some experience there, to not be responding authoritatively and in kind to the attacks on our service members. I believe is a, a complete dereliction of duty for our commander in chief. Uh, you have to respond with force. It's the only thing those people understand. Terrorists don't speak uh, a language other than uh, aggression and force. And if you don't respond appropriately to shut down wherever these drones and uh, artillery shells and whatever they're using to attack, if you don't shut that down decisively, they're going to continue to do what they're doing. And that's what we're seeing today. Yeah, I believe in peace through strength. I mean, in my lifetime, we were talking about this earlier in the show, Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump, they had a cowboy-like attitude, and they weren't going to give a proportionate response. It was going to be a disproportionate response. You attack us, you hurt one hair on one head of one person, and we will take you out. And guess what? The world was a safer place. Yeah, I've heard I've heard Trump tell the story. Um, there's a reason why the Taliban never attacked our service members uh, in Afghanistan while he was president. He had a phone call with him and showed him a picture of his house and said, "If you touch a hair on any of our guys, this is the first place we're going to strike." And suddenly, you know, you don't have any violence because they know it's going to be met with force. When the world sees. Uh, Joe Biden's withdrawal from Afghanistan, not giving orders to a sniper who had a shot on the suicide bomber. Uh, And then you see what's happened in Ukraine, emboldening Russia to allow them to attack. We're just giving money, blank checks to Ukraine with no oversight whatsoever. We're going to give money to Hamas. We're going to free billions of dollars to the Iranians so they can attack our troops. And it's just absolutely fascinating. And then you have the White House trying to encourage Israel to pause, and they're trying to trying to appease the Palestinians and appease the Israelis, and you can't do that when you're dealing with a terrorist organization. I, I have never understood why President uh, Obama, 
President Biden have been so adamant in giving money and making sure that money flows to Iran. Like, I don't understand it because you can't have a discussion about Hamas or the Middle East or Hezbollah without Iran. They are the the world's leader in terrorism and funding terrorism. And yet somehow Obama and now Biden, all they want to do is give them more money. And as if, oh, well, this money is just for bread and food and this money is just for weapons. Right. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and that's the real lie to the American people, this push to give uh, $100 million to the Palestinians for humanitarian aid. Uh, all you have to do is look at Gaza prior to all of this happening, where children are lining up in the streets trying to get potable water. There's there's zero little medical care, while the leaders of Hamas have billions of dollars. One guy yeah. is worth like $4 billion and is living in Qatar. He's not even living in Gaza, and they're taking all this money in, quote-unquote, humanitarian aid, and none of it's actually getting to the people that need it. Well, that's that's what's sad about the whole thing. Congressman Greg Stubbe, one of our favorites, uh, serving from the great state of Florida. Really do appreciate you joining us on Fox Across America. Wish we keep chatting with you. But we got more to the show, but we got to go to a commercial break. So stay with us, and we will be right back. Hey, this is Jason Chaffetz filling in for Jimmy. We got the big uh, Fox Nation Patriot Awards happening uh, Thursday night in Nashville, Tennessee. And Jimmy's uh, off doing that. And uh, so I'm thrilled to be filling in for him. Uh, And we've had lots of good guests. I want to get to calls at some point. That would be great. But uh, for right now, we're we're thrilled to have uh, the Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody General, thanks for joining us on uh, Fox Across America. Hey, Jason, great to be back with you. Yes, you've had like I've guessed those, and like you're usually on, and I really appreciate. They, they always pair us up. I love it. The access and the uh, the ability to ask people in important positions questions. I just think that's part of what you should do, and you always make yourself available, and we really do appreciate it. Of course. All right, so um, you're in Florida. Uh, we're certainly not going to hold you accountable for the chaos that is going on in Washington, D.C., but um, when you see all these different things that are going on, even in just last 48 hours, I mean, what runs through your mind? You know, what runs through my mind is it is becoming increasingly obvious that states are going to have to really rein in Washington and this, you know, it's like kudzu. You give them a little bit and they just take a mile and just get out of control. And so, you know, Florida's done that. We've been very fierce and pushing back on on our autonomy to dictate policy and uh, govern the way our citizens want us to govern here in Florida. And as you know, that's quite attractive to people. We're the fastest growing state in the nation. We led the nation last year in net migration. But I see what's happening in some of these blue cities and states in terms of this migrant crisis, and it is a crisis. We're we're seeing historic numbers. October brought in the most ever encountered at our southern border in October, even as the White House suggested that numbers were down from September, which also broke the the record for the most that came over and were encountered in any month in history. Uh, I think the fact that the Democrats in these cities and states are 
are saying, now give us money. We've declared ourselves sanctuary cities. Now give us more money. Congress, I know we ignored the law. I know that uh, we've we've brought this upon ourselves, but now you've got to bail us out and pay for it, the American citizens and taxpaying citizens. I think it's incredible, and I think you're going to see more and more states having to step up and fight back against that. Yeah, there there is a reason why people gravitate to, like in the Intermountain West, you know, Utah, Idaho. There's just great places to live, and they have like a reasonable government in place. Places obviously like Florida, you know, not only do you have great weather, but um, you, you've got a good good government scheme. The government actually works the way it's supposed to. And it is funny when you have people move out of California, like you said, to the Intermountain West or maybe from the Northeast and come down to Florida and like, wait, what? You don't have to, you can make a reservation and you don't have to wait for like hours at the Department of Motor Vehicles. Little things like that add up to, to, to what's going on. But I want to talk about some specific things here. Um, I'm really, I was, we were talking earlier to Lee Zeldin, the former congressman from New York, about Kathy Hochul and what she's trying to do to collect the data through surveillance. It just seems like such, a, a, just so over the line. I want to play this clip again. I don't normally play clips multiple times, but. It is stunning to me what she thinks would be acceptable in the state of New York. And if you listen carefully, she wants to actually um, uh, monitor people's private conversation on landlines, she even says. So listen to this. We're going to play it again. Cut 27. We're very focused on the data we're collecting from surveillance efforts. What's being said on social media platforms? And we have launched an effort to be able to counter some of the negativity and reach out to people when we see hate speech being spoken about on, on online platforms. Our media analysis, our social media analysis unit has ramped up its monitoring of sites to catch incitement to violence, direct threats to others. And all this is in response to our desire, our strong commitment to ensure that not only do New Yorkers be safe, but they also feel safe. So what's your thought on that, Attorney you know, General? Any, well, I, you know, I think it's rightfully any citizen, you know, cringes and has a, a guttural reaction when they hear a government leader say, we are ramping up our data collection efforts and we have a whole unit that is collecting data on citizens, I mean, as it should, right? That's what we hear about in other nation states. Uh, certainly that is not what you think of when you think of the United States of America, home of the free, uh, home of limited government, which understands and respects its boundaries. Although we have seen time and time again where, you know, at the direction of certain leaders, uh, surveillance uh, has been misused and certainly even fabricated as if uh, – Things were surveilled and facts were found when they were not. I think what is important to remember is there is the ability of law enforcement when given information about a, a pending or potential crime or let's say a terrorist act or something of that nature to be able to use that information quickly and respond to protect American citizens certainly in Florida, we, we are working diligently to ask the public to give us information to help protect Floridians, especially in light of the internal memos from the Biden administration saying that 
foreign fighters, terrorist fighters, may be coming in amongst the unprecedented surges at our border, and the warning from Christopher Ray that there has never been a risk like this of attacks on Americans on American soil due to uh, what is happening. But, but what we don't want is just a free-for-all data collection unit. Uh, I, I think it, it's right for people, people to be weary of that, but yet expect um, law enforcement to rapidly intake information that's provided for them. And if they see a threat of a terrorist yeah, attack yeah. or a terrorist activity, be able to respond uh, and do in quick, quick fashion. And look, social media is probably different than others because if you're putting out there to speech out for everybody, yeah, there's no reason why I guess people can't look at that. But to monitor it, and my concern is that it morphs into, oh, well, it's threatening if you support Donald Trump. It's threatening if you support Ron DeSantis. Um, and, you know, people shouldn't be subjected to that. So we're going to just shut that down. That's, you know, that's what China does. That's what Russia does. That's not who America is, and certainly counter to the First Amendment. Again, Kathy Hochul, I'm gonna I want to play this clip 28 because there's the the monitoring and the surveillance side of the equation. But New York is it's morphed over the years. It's not a safe place to be. Um, I want to get your thoughts on it. Cut 28. As I said, no one walking down the street or in a subway should feel they have to find to hide any indications of what their religious beliefs are. We expect to see people celebrating their lives, walking about freely, and that is no longer the case because people are living in fear. They have a right to do whatever they want here in the state of New York. They're living in the state of fear, um, Madam Governor, because you don't enforce the law. I see these people that are supposedly pro-Palestinians, but they're pounding on the glass at Grand Central Station and the, the, the police are having to hide. You, you see people on, I think it was 7th Avenue, climbing up flagpoles and ripping down uh, flags. And how does she think that the reason people are fearful is because there's a weak uh, law enforcement? What, what's your perspective, though? Let me say, people are in fear in New York City as well as Chicago and Portland and Los Angeles, and I could go on and on and give you examples of great cities that are now shells of themselves, they are in fear, and it is because of reckless, idiotic, uh, not well thought out policies of Hotel and others across uh, our cities and states in this nation uh, where they do not respect the rule of law. Uh, in fact, they give full free pass to certain people to violate the law repeatedly, cross the line, uh, inflict fear, intimidation on others. And because of their lax criminal justice policies that, that are not based in reality or any sort of forethought, they're getting out over and over. They know that they can, you know, tear down buildings and smash windows. They know that they can hold a federal courthouse hostage. They know that they can attack a police station because you've got leaders like her and others around this nation that say, that's okay. We should understand they're just angry. They're justified in following and violating the law. You know, that is where they've gone wrong. In Florida, you don't see that nonsense because we say, look, we respect people's right to express their opinions. Absolutely. We are fierce protectors of speech here in Florida. But when that 
crosses the line into acts of violence, criminal acts, when it, it moves into threatening, intimidating, insulting other people, that's where we draw the line. And you cannot have people in the name of some idealistic, feel-good initiative sacrifice public safety and respect for the rule of law and think that people aren't going to be in fear. And you know what? It's come, you know, it's come home to roost. Like they are facing the results of their decisions for the last however many years. And Florida shows it doesn't have to be like that. You elect leaders that understand the consequences of decisions and policies. They respect fiercely individual rights, but they will they will enforce the rule of law. And Florida has shown that you can do both. Very quickly, I, I have less than a minute to go, to go here. So, you know, you hear these sanctuary cities and sanctuary states now complaining, oh, it's going to take hundreds of billions of dollars to support all these people. And yet they were the ones that invited them in. Absolutely. Again, and hey, watch this. Mark my words. They are going to use this immigration crisis, state of emergency that they're declaring everywhere. And it is a crisis, just like they did COVID. They're going to ignore the law. They're going to spend recklessly. They're going to move us more from the land of opportunity to the land of handouts, all in the name of emergency and a crisis, because in their words, they will never let a crisis go to waste. So watch, mark my words. They are going to use this to get billions of dollars and ignore federal law, ignore what Congress has placed in terms of priorities for immigration. Uh, And it's going to be a disaster. For our yeah. country. Sadly, I, I think you're right. I think that's exactly what they're going to do. I thought it was also interesting. They came out and they said, well, you know, the reason that uh, rents are so high and, and the demand on housing is so high is because we're short like 2 million homes in this house. And I'm thinking, well, how many people did you let into this country illegally? Oh, isn't that a coincidence? I mean, it, it, it's no coincidence. It, 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 they're totally, coincidence. T- totally tied together. Ashley Moody, Florida Attorney General, thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. We really do appreciate it. Of course, Jason. Great to be with you. Thank you. Uh, We'll be right back. Stay with us. A show with substance and style. This is my oldest guy in the boy band look. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. He's a good-looking Italian. Hey, this is Jason Chaffetz filling in for Jimmy, and I don't know if you saw the segment last night uh, on Jesse Waters, uh, Primetime. Uh, he had this great story. It was about uh, the Secret Service. Now, I can tell you, I know a lot about the Secret Service. Okay, When I was chairman of the Oversight Committee, I used to be in Congress once upon a time, but I did a deep dive and really investigated a lot of things that were problematic at the Secret Service. They hadn't had oversight in years, and it showed, and... A lot of problems. We had to go through two different uh, directors in order to get the right Secret Service director in place. But now they're showing there's some problems. And this whole idea of the cocaine situation that they found at the White House. Now, remember, it was a suspicious substance. And then 10 days afterwards, they said, oh, we can't find the perpetrator. Jesse did a good job. They issued a Freedom of Information Act request. They went and looked at it. Heritage has been looking at, which I've been associated with. But let's play clip clip 32. This is a real problem. We asked the Secret Service for an explanation, and they said, oh, it's secondary DNA. But the initial Secret Service report 
clearly said there was no DNA found and there is no physical evidence. But the documents show they're keeping a DNA sample in an evidence locker. Is if is this so Biden's dog bites another agent, they have something? We don't know. And the Secret Service told Primetime they may end up destroying the DNA evidence at some point down the road. You know, protocol. Primetime asked the Secret Service, why didn't you take DNA samples from your suspect list? They said they would have needed a court order. This tells me two things. The Secret Service didn't want to crack the case or the Secret Service knew the coke was found in the library and put it in a cubby and closed the case. And that's the concern. You know, initially the report was that this suspicious substance, which they now claim ended up being cocaine, was in the library. Now, the library is not open to the general staff. It's not open to the public. It's in close proximity of the residents and some of the executive staff that works with the president. That's the library. That was the initial report. Then it morphed to uh, the West Wing entrance. Now, I've been in the West Wing entrance many times. Um, Highly guarded, a lot of um, surveillance going on there. Uh, When you walk in the door, um, there are two parts of the Secret Service. There is the Secret Service, then there's the Uniform Division. Um, And so supposedly it was over there. That's in close proximity to the Situation Room, the National Security Advisor, the Vice President, and the Chief of Staff. That's where that is. But then the story morphed again, and it was, oh, no, it's the entrance by these cubicles that are over in the old executive office building. So you'd have to walk out of the west wing of the of the White House, go across the street, and then go to that entrance. That's suddenly where it was found, and that's where they released these pictures. Now, as Jesse pointed out on his show, they talked about this substance being on the floor. But the pictures they took and they showed were in a cubic, in a, in a cubby. You know how you go and you lock in your phone or something like that? It begs more questions. And why and how in the world would Homeland Security, which is the agency in which the Secret Service flows through to, why would they close a case, what was it, 10, 11 days into it, said, oh, we can't find, we, we give up. They didn't think that they had uh, at least they told the public they didn't think they had DNA, that that was not, not plausible. But now through the Freedom of Information Act, there is DNA. So you have a changing location. You have some audio tapes. But again, I think this is highly suspicious. I don't think they want to give this up, but they should be giving it up. And um, th- we've had trouble after trouble after trouble with the Secret Service being honest with the American people. Remember we had the fence jumper years ago, the guy jumping the Crocs, and he, oh, he didn't get into the White House. Well, he did get into the White House. Oh, whoops, well, we didn't tell you that accurately. They seem to think that they can morph their story into whatever they want in order to snooker the public. That's not how this works, America. They work for us. We don't work for them. And even if you're the Secret Service, you still got to come clean on some of these investigations. You are law enforcement. You are supposed to enforce the law, but they don't. Carol Lennig at the Washington Post has written extensively about this. I've investigated it, and I'm telling you what Jesse was talking about last night on primetime. Hope he stays on it because they are not coming clean. That's what we deserve in America. I'm Jason Chaffetz filling in for Jimmy. This is Fox Across America. 
Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Almost Jimmy Fallon. This is Jason Chaffetz. I'm filling in for Jimmy. Big uh, Fox Nation, um, the Patriot Awards happening Thursday night in Nashville. He had to get on a plane from New York, get over to Nashville. That's happening today during the show. So I'm filling in. Glad to, glad you're going to spend a, a little bit of time with us. Um, we want to get right after it because there's so much craziness going on in the world. Uh, and we're really pleased to have Russell Fries, the congressman from South Carolina's 7th Congressional District. He's joining us on Fox Across America. Beautiful part of the world, Congressman. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it, it is indeed. It's always good. You know, you, you go home and, and you see that beach flying in and it's just good. It's always good to be home. And I see my six-year-old son makes it even better. Oh, there you go. It's, uh, you know, the beaches of South Carolina are about as beautiful as it gets. So, um, but thanks for your service. Thanks for being there. Um, you've been there a little while now. Uh, not too long, but a little while. Uh, has it been, is, I mean, what, I served in Congress eight plus years, but the craziness that happened in the last 24 hours is a little out of control. Well, I mean, this this place is, uh, I think we say, like, historic a lot. I'm, I'm a little tired of using the phrase uh, for, for everything that we do up here this year. Uh, I think the American people expect us to work, and we need to do it. Uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, well, but Congress is going on a two-week recess. So, um, you know, look, I know when you go back to your district, you are doing work. Uh, you, you spend time with your constituents and it's not as if you're going on vacation and Thanksgiving is next week, but nobody's going to accuse Congress of working too hard. Are they? <laughs> uh, certainly not this year. Not, not what I'm seeing. I think that was, uh, you know, the, the message that, that people overwhelmingly that I hear from really everywhere is that, that they, there are some glaring issues, really big issues uh, that we need to tackle. And if it takes us being up here to do it, let's do it. We have a, a big meeting happening today. The President of the United States will be meeting with President Xi uh, in California. Um, you know, there are meetings and then there are some things that really matter. Now, previously on the show, we, we, uh, we aired a clip of what John Kirby thinks the objectives of the meeting are with, with Joe Biden. Um, and let me just read them really quick. Well, let's just play the clip. Clip two. He'll be focusing really on three things. One, not only improve and increase American investment in the region, but the region's investment in the United States. Number two, uh, lifting up and looking towards a vision for better international worker standards, cleaner environments, safer environments, collective bargaining, chance for international workers to, to be able to compete on a level playing field. And number three, building a more inclusive economy across the region. Okay, so the three objectives for Biden, according to his spokesperson, is spend more money in China, collective bargaining for workers, and number three, uh, you know, um, build a more inclusive economy, whatever the crap that means. Is this what the president of the United States should be focused on with President Xi? No, my gosh. I mean, you know, it, it reminds me, it's so tone deaf, Jason. It reminds me of you know, last week or the week before when we have all the Hamas attacks going on in Israel and they want to talk about Islamophobia, the same thing applies here. I mean, China, how about the spy balloon that was over my district? How about 
um, the, the growing threats that they pose to our military and, and chastising them and kind of getting the planes close or the, the saber battling that's going on with Taiwan. How about isolated, you know, the, the continued isolation of, of democracies around the world by China or the, the things that they do with their economy, they manipulate their currency or they steal our intellectual property. None of those made this list. Like that, that's just wild to me. But again, I, I think I, it just goes to the tone deafness of the president. Let's listen to John Radcliffe. He used to serve in Congress. Um, he was on the Ingram Angle um, last night. Uh, he was also the former uh, um, director of national intelligence, the highest on the food chain on intelligence. Let's listen to him in clip four. This joint venture is one where one partner has robbed the other one blind. What our intelligence and the facts tell us is that a rising China has been built on the, the intellectual property threat, uh, theft and economic and military espionage in the trillions of dollars uh, over the years. And, um, you know, it, it uh, you know, this just really underscores that uh, Joe Biden and this administration um, has been soft on China just as they've been soft Everywhere uh, with all of our adversaries, Iran and Russia, China's advanced around the globe. Their positions have improved since Joe Biden has been president. And it's why China will be uh, working to to influence and interfere the election in 2024. They want Joe Biden to continue to be a weak U.S. president. What's your thought on that? I I think he just hit the nail on the head. I mean, you you look at you look at where we are. And this is a concern that I've had on judiciary and oversight for a while is is. With all these foreign transactions that have taken place with the Biden family, what were they really selling? What was going on? And, and how compromised are you? And I think that that's just a concern that Americans have is when yet they look at this president, this administration. Uh, I think John is exactly right. Uh, there's there's a lot of you know if the president of China is coming to the United States, we need to talk about the real issues that we face and not kind of some made-up blueprint of, a, you know, a Green New Deal on the world stage. It's remarkable to me how uh, unable or unwilling they are to really talk about and to deal with the tough issues as it relates to China. China is one thing, you know, and then the other part of the world that's really on fire right now is obviously <laughs> Israel and what's going on there. A lot of the Democrats are rallying behind this idea that they need this so-called ceasefire. This is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, clip 22, on what she would like to see. Ceasefire means there is no military solution, only a diplomatic and cultural solution. A relational solution, a reckoning with ourselves and our history. That is what ceasefire now means. Ceasefire means there is no military. So uh, what's your thought on what she's advocating for? She's not the only one. There's others out there that want to see, uh, you know, Israel, you lost 1,400 people in the worst terrorist attack. So why don't you just lay down your arms and continue to take the pounding? Right. I mean, could you imagine somebody doing that to us after 9-11? I mean, you think about if the, if the roles were reversed and this happened to us, and then you have people like AOC saying ceasefire now, but only after, you know, we have terrorized your country, killed 1,400 people, uh, hold a couple hundred hostages, but ceasefire now. Like, that, it just makes no sense. And, and this is the problem, I think, Jason, with the Democratic Party right now. I mean, we, today we had a vote on the floor on an amendment that would have stripped funding from colleges that engage in these anti-Semitic protests. Um, 
50, 55 Democrats, somewhere in that range, voted against the resolution. I mean, they are, you know, the Republicans are pretty united in standing with Israel, but even something so simple as, you know, harassing Jewish students and, and blocking them in a library and not letting them leave, we're not going to defund the colleges that do and engage in that or give a wink and a nod to it. I think it's, it's reprehensible, but that's kind of where the Democratic Party is. Terrorists don't, you know, to, to the point, terrorists don't get ceasefires. You know, ceasefires don't happen just because AOC demands it. Hamas is still going to do what Hamas does, and it's going to be funded by Iran, and they're still going to engage in it. They're, they're not going to abide by any ceasefire. I mean, it's in part of their charter that they want them off the map. Yeah, it's interesting. When you travel to the region, I've been to the region many times, and it's interesting if you go in and try to find a, or buy a map. They don't, a lot of these countries, it doesn't even have Israel on the map. It just pretends right. that it's not even in existence. Um, did you? There was a big rally, obviously, on the mall, uh, close proximity. Did you have a chance to go to that? Did you participate in it or go to that rally? I did, and it was it was incredible. I'm, I'm glad that I went. It was kind of a busy day up here yesterday, but we carved out time to go stand out there and, and just to see, one, the sheer amount of people, and the 200, 300,000 people, whatever it was, out there kind of in solidarity. And, you know, they had, Jason, they had an area for members of Congress, as you know, that they do that um, if we go. And But I, I spent some time walking around through the crowd and met, you know, members of the public, people that were from – uh, the British Parliament, the Canadian Parliament, the Israeli Knesset were there, uh, Belgium. Um, I mean, we really had a lot of people from around the world, leaders from around the world there in solidarity with, with Israel. And I thought, I thought that was the, the neatest moment of, of the rally, just the, the amount of people who stood together. I mean, we always see on the news, you know, very vocal and angry minorities, you know, yelling about ceasefires or whatever, but it was really neat. Uh, and I think it, it really showed the best of who we are as a country that despite the noise, uh, most Americans support Israel. Yeah. And so much disinformation comes out. I, I did appreciate uh, Chuck Schumer and uh, the minority leader um, in the house uh, joining in a bipartisan way to voice their strength uh, and support of Israel. I thought that was, that was well but the, the misinformation that comes out, I want to play cut to 20. This is BBC News. They issued an apology, because they had to, for claiming that medical teams were being targeted by the Israelis. Listen to this. Now uh, an apology from the BBC. A BBC News, uh, as it covered uh, initial reports that Israeli forces has entered Gaza's main hospital. We said that medical teams and Arab speakers were being targeted. This was incorrect and misquoted a Reuters report. We should have said IDF forces included medical teams and Arabic speakers for this operation. So we apologise for this error, which fell below our usual editorial standards. The correct version of events was broadcast minutes later. I mean, it, they, these mistakes always seem to go one direction. I've only got 30 seconds. Your reaction to that? Well, I'm, I'm, su I'm surprised that the, the, the mainstream media admitted anything. I mean, <laughs> we, you know, you know this as well as I do. They don't ever do that. They're, they're happy to editorialize constantly, even if it's perpetuating falsehoods and, and you know, untruths. It, it, so I pass off to the release acknowledging it, but we need more of that, quite frankly. Congressman Russell Fry from the great state of South Carolina. Thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. We do appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. We'll, we'll be right back.
The show that's not afraid to hit the road. The stars at night are big and bright. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Time to get after it. We're glad that we've got Senator Marsha Blackburn, who's joined us in the great state of uh, Tennessee. Senator, thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. I'm so happy to join you. Thank you. Always good to chat with you on so many fronts, but we got a big meeting here happening between the President of the United States and President Xi. And I played this a couple times, and you know what? I'm going to play it again, because the more I listen to it, the more frustrated, whipped up I get about it. This is John Kirby on Air Force One. What are the goals of what President Biden is doing meeting with President Xi? Play clip two, please. He'll be focusing really on three things. One, not only improve and increase American investment in the region, but the region's investment in the United States. Number two, uh, lifting up and looking towards a vision for better international worker standards, cleaner environments, safer environments, collective bargaining, chance for international workers to, to be able to compete on a level playing field, and number three, building a more inclusive economy across the region. Senator, I, I am stunned that this is the goal. America spend more money in China. Number two, uh, better worker standards um, for, you know, collective bargaining for for the Chinese, and number three, a more inclusive economy, whatever the heck that means. <laughs> That's the goal? That's what the president's trying to accomplish? I tell you what, you just can't make it up, and every day there is some new twist to some new something that they are up to. Now, if their goal with China is just to go big and try to say, let's talk about the economy, and then to want to talk about climate change and workers' rights and and unions, unionizing Chinese workers, and having an inclusive economy, which that is code word for let the let the government take your money and redistribute it so that everybody's got the same. Here is what I think that the president ought to say. Number one, Xi Jinping should not be welcome to the United States. The red carpet ought not to be rolled out for him. And number two, Xi Jinping will not get a meeting with the president of the United States until they come clean about COVID, until they will come clean about the spy balloon, until they agree to stop shipping fentanyl into Mexico and thereby, with the cartels, bringing it into the United States. And number four, until they shut shut down all of the soft propaganda that is hitting our kids, whether it's these Confucius Institutes on college campuses or TikTok and the surveillance and the garbage that they are putting out on TikTok. Now, then if he does all of that and makes those admissions, then he can have an audience with the President of the United States. And on that agenda, when it comes to economics, the top of the list should be 
Hey, Xi Jinping, we've got about a trillion dollar trade imbalance with you guys. So uh, when are you going to make good on the ag quotas that you set under President Trump? When are you going to meet these quotas? So he should be held to, to account for that. If he wants to talk about climate change, ask them why they are continuing to buy coal from the United States of America and why you can't see the sky in Beijing on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday because the plants are running. And if you want to talk about an economy that is going to help everyone, freedom, free people, and free markets, that's how you do it. So I would just have a totally different agenda. Well, the meeting is has just begun. They've only been meeting for a couple of minutes. And yeah, uh, three seats down from President Biden to the right is uh, the former Senator John Kerry. So you know that they're talking climate change. Well, they probably are talking climate change. What a waste. And what, what disrespect for hardworking American taxpayers that are out here that are suffering under Bidenomics. You know, in Tennessee, the average family in Tennessee is spending an additional $862 per month in order to just tread water and be where they were. When you look at the increase in the price of groceries, they're up over 20%. And that is hitting people in their pocketbooks. You look at what it costs to heat and cool your home, about 40% more. To fill up the gas tank, you know, 30 to 40% more. And these are the issues that are affecting people. That cost of living is at the top of the list. Well, Senator, I wish we had more time with you, and I wish you could call more of these shots, but uh, we don't because we got to go to a commercial break. You're always so generous with your time and really, really appreciate your perspective. Good work that you do on so many issues there in the United States Senate. Senator Marsha Blackburn from the great uh, state of Tennessee. Thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. You got it. Bye-bye. Again, thanks. Uh, stay with us. we got more to come on Fox Across America. Hey, it's Jason Chaffetz. I'm filling in for Jimmy. Jimmy's getting ready for the Big Patriot Awards happening on Fox Nation Thursday night. Uh, You know, you've got all kinds of awards for Hollywood, celebrities, and all this. But, man, when real people do incredible things, like average people doing extraordinary things and stepping up and making the country better and doing patriotic things, I'm glad Fox... And Fox Nation is, are, you know, honoring those people. They need more of that. So I hope you're able to see it. It's tomorrow night. Jimmy's going to be involved and engaged in that. Uh, Fox Nation Thursday night. Uh, it's going to be a great event. But it gave me an opportunity to fill in for Jimmy. So I'm very honored that uh, they would ask me to do so. And um, really excited to have this next guest because uh, I know personally, because I worked with them, that he's one of the hardest uh, working members there in the United States Congress. We're happy to have Andy Biggs, the congressman from Arizona. Jason, who would have thought 
we would have to get Jimmy out of town for you and I to get to talk together on the radio. I mean, who would have thunk it? I mean, I keep telling Jimmy, you looking tired, brother. Let's go take a vacation, you know, because then I can, you know, fill in. But it's always good to chat with you. And um, you're not one to mince words. You're also not one to really be intimidated or back down. So I want to talk to you about a variety of different things. But um, I got to tell you, uh, Congress over the last, whatever it is, 36 hours or so, Pretty interesting place to be. Pretty raucous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, the, I, I'm mad at Bernie Sanders because he could have had a cage fight going on in his Senate committee yesterday. Uh, but he, you know, to his, I guess to his credit or his blame, he was able to, to keep things in reasonable order after they had started to walk down a fisticuffs right there in the Senate. James, well, I, you, have you, you ever seen that? No, but I've seen Mark Wayne Mullen in the the house gym, and he really does practice wrestling and and MMA fighting on a regular basis. I mean, that's kind of who he is. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I think he was a professional case fighter at some point. No, and I I, I think it goes to a bigger, broader issue. I mean, he, the 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 guy from the union was getting was trolling him. I mean, he was really yeah. trolling him online, and and uh, you know. You hate to see it kind of devolve into those types of things, but um, I, you know, it, I I had no idea it would be so exciting in Congress. So I would have stayed. I, I, I'm missing out on this. You were missing it, Jason. That's for sure. <clears throat> All right, let's oh, yeah. let let's transition here a little bit and talk about um, Arizona. Arizona's pivotal in the next uh, election. You've got Kristen Cinema who left the Democratic Party. She's going to try to run for re-election. It, it, Arizona, on any electoral map, it's desirable. But, you know, it, it does strike me that Democrats have long just assumed that the Hispanic vote would be theirs. And I want you to listen to this and then give me your perspective, being the you know a congressman from Arizona. This is uh, CNN uh, interviewing Latino voters voters who were unhappy with Joe Biden cut 12. Are you happy with your vote for <coughs> Joe Biden? Mm, well, I didn't Hello. see something like really change, like and I didn't see changes in so I was expecting something. Gabriele Martinez was expecting better. Both she and her husband work. They have one child, 6-year-old Roman. Every month, a struggle. Right now, I work in three jobs because I have to like pay more things, like my house is more expensive. Dalton, Georgia, bills itself the carpet capital of the world. Much of the labor here, Latino immigrants living paycheck to paycheck. Many now view the Trump years as better for their bottom line. Some Latino communities say when Trump was a president, we don't have high gas, or inflation of the food. Right. So this is the, the truth. Pocketbook concerns, top of the mind, and the support of this fast-growing voting bloc critical in key battleground states. And I don't think that's just Hispanics. I think that's across the country and probably all demographics and all. But what's your perspective, Congressman? Well, I, th I think... Um, this goes back to Bill Clinton's first commandment, which is that it's the economy stupid. 
because uh, the, the the bottom line, Arizona, and you know this, Jason, because you're familiar with Arizona. Arizona had uh, and still has some of the highest gas t- uh, ca- uh, costs in the country per gallon basis, and you, that impacts everything because everything's trucked. And in Arizona, everybody's driving a car. Everybody has to pay for gas because that's the way you get around, and it is it's really takes a bite out of your pocketbook, and. And right now, keeping up with inflation and the cost of energy growth is is basically an impossibility because nobody's getting that many raises and that much increase in their salary. So the squeeze is on. People feel it. And they know Americans are not dumb. They understand pretty clearly that it's the policies of this administration which is causing their economic squeeze. And I would just add this one last point. When you feel economically squeezed and tight, you feel less free than when you can make your ends meet comfortably or regularly without having to sweat about it. And, and I think people feel less free under Joe Biden. I think that's right. I think the metrics point to that. It's not just some Republican talking point or, you know, hey, we're trying to make a case here. There is no metric that says that the economy is really moving in the right direction. You look at the overall credit card debt, look at the inflation rate. It's 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 always fascinating to me. Inflation goes zooming up and then it comes down. They say, oh, it's going down. But it's still ahead of where the goals are for the Fed, still ahead of where it was for Donald Trump, and still miles ahead of where it was for Donald Trump when he started. Something like more than 17% life is more expensive under Joe Biden than it was on Donald Trump's watch. Yeah, and, and, and that's that's right. And don't forget that, that that's even with the Fed taking out certain um, qui- uh, metrics from their their uh, inflation calculator. So they've taken out um, food. They've taken out gas. They've taken out all kinds of things, which when right, you throw right. them back in, it gives the, the, the more accurate cost of inflation. And it's double, well into the double digits, and it's been going on for quite some time. And I, I I don't think we have that short-term memory that we, that we can't remember when inflation first started. This administration, Janet Yellen, first coming out and saying, uh, "There's not inflation." Then, yeah, there's inflation, but it's transitory. Uh, inflation. The third thing was that inflation is actually good for the economy. Fourth thing is, well, now now we got inflation, and it looks like it's long-term. Yeah, it was good for you. Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, but it was a choice that the Democrats made, and they made it on day one when they decided to dismantle the energy infrastructure in this country. And um, when they did so, they just said everything's going to be more expensive because if you don't have a national energy program that makes you self-sufficient, you cannot achieve things and make your products more profitable and more affordable to the public at large. They just systematically said, okay, we're going to get rid of the gas and oil. And so guess what? Everything with gas and oil is going to go up. But to your point, particularly in a place like Arizona, everything is trucked. They, I mean, the trucks are just, and they got to fuel up with gas. They're, you could not in the next couple decades put an electronic infrastructure in place to support the trucking industry and be able to operate coast to coast in this country. No, and and the prices are going to continue to go up. Uh, so we have two reasons that prices are going up. First, they got the energy right. The, uh, that's that's uh, just a scarcity of oil and gas, and that's going to drive cost up. And then everything's trucked. So so we're all dependent on that energy. The second thing is 
um, the the federal government keeps devaluing our currency by spending more and more and more so that now we're approaching a trillion dollars in national debt service. In other words, our interest costs uh, on our national debts are approaching a trillion dollars. And why is that? Because the Fed is trying to bring inflation under control, so they keep raising interest rates. And so you have that pressure. And when rates go up, even the federal government's got to pay more. So uh, it's it, it is really this vicious cycle that's going on right now, and uh, there are two there are two ways we can combat it. The easiest way would be to say, let's drill, baby, drill. We're going to uh, allow for exploration, development, and, uh, and extraction, as well as refining of oil and gas. And then we're also go- and then the second thing is we're going to start reducing and put together a a viable, legitimate uh, plan to been the trajectory down on federal spending so we can move towards one day, maybe in the distant future, but at least someday trying to get this back to a balanced budget. And right now, neither one of those has a chance right now, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I think that's just the facts. That's the reality. So going back to the Arizona politics of everything, um, you know, there is a thought that maybe there would be a third party candidate. I want to play this clip from Joe Manchin. It's cut eight. Um, and many think that he's perhaps preparing to run as a third party candidate for president. Clip eight. Are you concerned then if next year's presidential election is Donald Trump versus Joe Biden? Very concerned. Sure. Why? It'd be detrimental for, for, a person who I tried to work with as president. Donald Trump. Right. And I couldn't get there with Donald Trump. But to basically this visceral hatred and and degradation of human beings and talking about people that make up America. You know, you can't you can't be a person that believes the only fair election is the one you win. You can't be a person who believes that the only laws pertain to everybody but me. There's no privilege like that in America. What's your take on that? Um, I think that's a pretty facile way of looking at it um, on the part of Manchin. And and the, the question with regard to how does that play in Arizona, uh, it, it's, it's, I'll just be frank. It's impossible to say right now uh, Trump is up over Biden uh, by I think it's six points in Arizona by in, in several polls, including from uh, kind of the other side of the aisle, not, not Trump's side of the aisle. So it's pretty consistent, but you have this—you have this strange dynamic going on. So you have, and it's reflected in the Senate race, where you have Kirsten Sinema running as a re-election as an independent, Ruben Gallego, who served in the House with you and I, um, who's a Democrat running as a Democrat, and then you have uh, Carrie Lake running as a Republican, and. Uh, and then other, you know, there's others in every race, but but those are probably the three front runners right now. And I think they would be reflective. Uh, uh, who knows where coattails come in Arizona? And and quite frankly, my position has has been, it's very difficult to say what the outcome in Arizona would be, um, top to bottom right now. Uh, I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, that's that's one of the concerns. And Arizonans have a. They kind of have this independent streak, right? They, 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 they just—it's just kind of innate. It's just sort of part of the history and the culture of, of Arizona. So it is a critical state. It'll be fascinating to see how that that 
vote goes and where it goes and how it goes. But uh, Congressman Andy Biggs, thank you so, so much for joining us on Fox Across America. Really, truly do appreciate it. You bet. Let's do it again, Jason. Thank you. Thank you. If I don't talk to you, have a happy Thanksgiving. It's coming up, hard to believe, next week. So stay with us. We'll be right back on Fox Across America. It's the show that 9 out of 10 listeners voted the best host on radio. I don't want to say that they were dumb, but they were dumb. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Anytime you put on an event, by definition, you know, you have people over your house. You're going to clean up the house. Uh, you're going to make sure the kids you know, make their beds. You know, take the socks, you know, put them in the drawer, in the hammer. Uh, and that, that's, you know, you have 21 world leaders. You've got tens of thousands of people coming from all uh, around the globe. Uh, what an opportunity to showcase the world's most extraordinary place, San Francisco. This is a crown jewel. I was just with President Xi. First thing he talked about was San Francisco. That's uh, Governor Newsom justifying the idea that he went down the streets of uh, where the motorcades would go and cleared out the homeless, you know, swept the streets, uh, made it all nice and pristine and tried to equate it to, you know, you got somebody coming over to your house. Of course, you're going to make it nice. But the chaos is going to return as soon as they leave. And the poor residents and business owners, of course, are going to go back to having to deal with the fact that that is one of the dirtiest, most disgusting crime ridden cities in this country. And it was a crown jewel until they decided to just let this run amok. That that law enforcement was not a good thing, that they didn't know how to deal with this. You know, when Gavin Newsom first ran for mayor, there's a great video out there. He was running for mayor and he said, oh, I've got this plan to eradicate homelessness. It's gotten exponentially worse. And yet he gets elected not only for this mayor, but now he's the governor of California and the place gets worse, not better. And so what happens? President Xi, President Biden coming to town. Oh, we're going to make it look nice. But it's a facade. It's a lie. And it shouldn't happen to the good people who live. I was born in Northern California. I lived uh, there in the Bay Area only until I was about seven years old. That place is disgusting now. They lost, they lost the culture. They lost the, the atmosphere. You could walk down the streets back then. You could go out and enjoy yourself, but not anymore. It is a cesspool, and it doesn't need to be that way. But they chose to make it that way. And that's what's a shame is that they don't prioritize the people. They prioritize the government elites, including the president of China, because he's trying. That's what China would do. You know, I went to China several times um, uh, as a member of Congress, a few times, I should say, not several, but, and I would go there. Oh my gosh, that thing was so scripted. You couldn't go down certain streets. They had to make sure everything was just in order and just the right way because they wanted to make it look like China was superior. And what I see Gavin Newsom doing is absolutely, it's just absurd and it's sad and it doesn't need to be that way. Um, listen, there's a lot happening in the world. The United States of America is still the greatest country on the face of the planet. Um, we just got done celebrating and recognizing Veterans Day to all the men and women who have served this country and currently serve in this country, uh, to protect the United States of America and make it the greatest country on the face of the planet. Hats off to you. We don't do enough. We shouldn't do it just on Veterans Day or the 4th of July or, you know, whatever day it might be, this is something that should be going on in perpetuity. You see somebody in uniform, you help them out. I'm glad to see airlines letting members of, 
you know, active duty military, get on the plane first. Things like that, I think, are good for for um, uh, America and for our patriotism. The last thing I want to mention is I do believe that this next election, this next 24 or 12 months is going to be about safety and security. It's going to be about safety in your wallets, safety on the border, safety and security globally, crime, inflation. Do you have economic security? It's all about safety. That's that's what I, I think is going to happen. Um, I think that's what America is concerned about. Those are the areas in which we're going to to uh, to focus on as as a nation. A bit an honor and a privilege to actually fill in for Jimmy Failure. Again, Fox Nation, Thursday night from uh, 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 Nashville, Tennessee, the Patriot Awards. Talking about people, ordinary Americans doing extraordinary things. Also want to give out a plug to Jason in the House. This is a Fox News podcast. I hope you're able to listen to it. We have great guests. We get behind the scenes, like how did they become who they become? So go to type in Jason in the House, just Jason in the House. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, I'd be honored if you listen to it. We've got great, exciting, fun guests that come up on that. Thanks for listening to Fox News Radio and uh, appreciate Jimmy uh, for a lot of different reasons, but for allowing me to sit in his seat. This has been Fox Across America. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.